NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is encouraging football teams to sign up third-rate quarterback Colin Kaepernick so he can sneer at America while simultaneously collecting millions and driving his team to ignominious defeat because he's a third-rate quarterback. Colin Humperdinck is the player who refused to stand during the national anthem in 2016, saying, quote, and this is a real quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, unquote. Now the NFL is saying that Mr. Chopper Stink was not disrespecting the flag when he disrespected the flag, but was only trying to express his utter disdain for everyone who lived under the flag, including those who had fought and died for the flag, so that third-rate quarterback, swollen sapperface, could have the right not to stand during the national anthem. The NFL, which was paid $8.1 billion last year by Americans who enjoy the freedoms guaranteed by the flag, said hiring Stalin Stinkerdunk would not be a way of poking each and every one of those Americans in the eye or spitting on their country, which has led the world in civil rights and indeed not only invented many of the civil rights people around the world enjoy, but also sent many of its sons to defend those rights, although it never sent Holen Asserschmuck because he was too busy playing football, although not very well. Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn said he was very interested in bringing Small and Mindersock onto the team because it fit in with his plan to lose every game next year while insulting the the entire country and paying out the hard-earned money of his fans to a third-rate player who hates them, not to mention everything they hold dear. Roger Goodell said hiring Wallen Hoop-de-Doo also fits in with his plans, which are to transform the NFL from a vastly profitable enterprise to a distant memory of something that used to matter. Sort of like Colin Kaepernick. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky dunky, life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky Ship shaped, tipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! All right, we are back again for the last uh, day before the Clavenless Weekend, but it won't be a Clavenless Weekend, in fact, because uh, tonight we have the Backstage Show, which goes on at uh, 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern, so I'll be back for that. And then on Friday, I'm doing my All Access, so I will be on for All Access Friday at 5 o'clock Pacific, uh, 8 o'clock, wherever uh, you guys are, whatever other part of the country. Uh, And so please... uh, to also stick with the Claven, uh, you know, the Claveny goodness, to suck more Claveny goodness out of the air, go to the YouTube channel for Andrew Claven. Uh, we need your subscriptions, and we are tracking your comments uh, for anybody who is more witty than the, you know, run-of-the-mill schmucks who usually listen to my show. Uh, but we've got one from Kenny Skagel, uh, who says, I am so glad that Claven has renewed his VPN subscription. Uh, the last thing we need is some leftist media watchdog getting a hold of his searches for Kaylee McEnany domination videos. Uh, how you knew about that with my VPN subscription in place, I don't know, but uh, it is true. I like, you know, I like watching that and I like rewatching the scene in Species where the hot blonde rips the guy's spine out. It's hard to tell the difference between the two things. Uh, when Jesus Christ, whom some of you may remember from the Bible as the son of the living God, was asked when the end of days would come, he responded, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself only the Father knows. In other words, not even Jesus, whom some of you may remember from the last sentence, is the Son of the living God, knows when history will be over. We only know it will be over someday, guaranteed. 
Now, hilariously, some Christians over the years have interpreted this verse to mean that they know exactly when, when history and history will come. Go figure. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, are now a fairly mainstream Protestant group, was actually founded by a man who declared that Jesus would return to earth between the spring of 1843 and the spring of 1844. And you might ask, how could someone make that prediction when Jesus, the son of the living God, I'm sorry to keep repeating that, but people keep forgetting, Jesus said even he didn't know. The answer is simple. When you know for sure something immense will eventually happen, it becomes easy to fixate on it, like a child who can't stop thinking about his birthday or a hypochondriac who can't stop thinking about his death. So it is with the end of our republic. We know that someday our republic will fall. All things made by mortal man are mortal. And as predicted on the show, we are going through a moment of madness right, out, right now, brought on by the end of the Chinese virus crisis and kind of release of tension. It's easy to think that the end of the republic may be nigh, especially if you're of a conservative disposition and you always think the end of the republic is nigh. But of course, a prediction is like a constellation. It's like a shape drawn on an infinite number of points by connecting some points and ignoring others. There is another possible scenario. Democrats have given America a choice. The choice is between the violence, self-hatred, oppression, and blithering irrational philosophy of the left, or sanity, order, and freedom. And America, as it usually does, will choose sanity. That's the other path. You can do a lot of damage in a moment of madness, and they may do a lot of damage in this one, and it's true that Republican republics pass, but madness also passes. And personally, I am beginning to sense that a turning point is coming very quickly, maybe as soon as the protests this Juneteenth weekend. We'll see, because of course, the only one who knows for sure is the living God. All right, we've got an interview with Jesse Lee Peterson. It's a pre-recorded interview. I hope you'll stay for that. He is like a voice of just honesty and truth. He's like uh, Heather McDonald is also that kind of clear, uh, just fearless honesty. I just love talking to the guy. I love talking to them both, but I love talking to Anthony, uh, Jesse, Jesse Lee Peterson. I hope you'll stay for the interview with him. First, let us talk about Nutrafol. Uh, you know, you, you, you may want to look like me and be bald unless you're a woman and then nah, probably not. Women don't often talk about thinning hair, but nearly half of all women do experience it as early as age 40. And if you're one of them, it can feel scary and stressful, which adds to the problem. So take charge of your hair growth and make the next few months your time to grow thicker, fuller, healthier hair. Nutrafol is formulated with potent botanicals to help you grow hair that remains strong, and it's physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. I'm always in favor of that. They use natural, clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through whole body health. On top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a hand handle on better sleep and less stress. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code Clavin to get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere, plus free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, promo code Clavin, the best offer anywhere, 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com, promo code Claven for hair as strong as you are. Now, you may have noticed there's no E in Nutrafol. I was thinking that reminds me of something. Oh, yeah, it's how you spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There's no E in that either. So it's really interesting. A lot of crazy stuff is going on. And the press, because the press is part of the craziness and supports the craziness and trying to sell us the craziness and is actually trying to drive us 
uh, crazy. I don't think they know what it sounds like. I don't think the press actually knows how crazy this stuff are. This stuff is, you know. So we're having all these cancellations because people get wrapped up in social media. They get wrapped up in the press and they begin to think this is a problem. Uh, so we're getting, uh, you know, not just bringing Colin Kaepernick. I, just a, I think he, he was really a bad quarterback in the first place, but he was also just an irritating little person without much brains and without really uh, a fair description of America. He's the guy who went nuts when Trump killed an absolute terrorist and supported the terrorist rather than America. He's not the guy the NFL needs to bring in. I'm seriously predicting now that in 10 years, the NFL will be gone. It will be Kodak. It'll be just be a, 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 a memory. But we're seeing like Aunt Jemima has to cancel their thing and Mrs. Butterworth and now the Land Lakes Indian is already gone. And it's, it's funny, all these kind of familiar, uh, beloved uh, minority uh, trademarks are disappearing from the scene. So that'll be helpful because then all we'll see are the black leftist matters uh, protesting and rioting and screaming at us that we're supposed to feel guilty and we're supposed to do stuff for them when the question is, what are they doing for themselves and what are they doing to help their personal situation? So a lot of madness coming out. I think it's really important to take a look at just some of the craziness that's happening uh, because that that is the thing I think will turn the tide. I think things that don't make sense ultimately collapse. And the question is, how much damage will they do before they fall? You know, with all these cancellations, that's interesting. Variety ran this crazy article uh, about 10, 10 um, movies that need warnings labels. We have to put warning labels on our movies because you're just a thumb-sucking child and you can't decide what you think of a movie for yourself. And the, the Variety article begins, it's now widely accepted that despite being a beloved classic, Gone with the Wind needs an explanation of its contest context when it's screened on TV or in theaters. Now, that, that's really interesting that he says this. And, and this is Variety, the same paper that thought that all these anti-American war on terror films were bombing because people weren't interested in the war on terror. They didn't realize they were bombing, as American Sniper then went on to prove, because people weren't interested in watching Americans be the bad guy when compared to Islamists who are low, evil people, right? And they didn't think like America was anywhere near uh, that kind of moral level. They thought they were elevated. And so when they showed American Sniper and it became a huge hit, Variety and other trade papers were like, wow, we thought people weren't interested in the war on terror. In other words, they are living up their own butts. They're living inside their own butts. And they're thinking, well, in here, you know, in here, I can just see that most people think that Gone with the Wind uh, is, you know, needs a label, a warning label on it. I was thinking about Gone with the Wind. You know, I I don't want to go. There's so much news going on and all that. And we want to talk about some of it. But I want to just talk about this kind of general thing that's going on. Uh, You know, Gone with the Wind is a great movie. The the book is kind of a pop boiler, but Gone with the Wind is an actual great film. And it's really worth watching if you've never seen it. I mean, I know people who've never seen Gone with the Wind. It is one of the most entertaining, romantic, dramatic, uh, beautiful films and well-acted films. And there's a famous line in it uh, where... um, Scarlett O'Hara, who's this uh, Southern belle, this kind of totally phony Southern belle, uh, and Rhett Butler, who is this gun-running uh, kind of rogue who is falls in love with her, even though he knows she's no good, because he's kind of no good himself. Uh, he's always making fun of her hypocrisy, and she's trying to protect her reputation. And he says to her, with enough courage, one can do without a reputation. And that's something that a lot of these companies, Mrs. Butterworth and Land O'Lakes, there's something they might remember, that a lot of the people who are condemning them are in the minority 
minority uh, or vastly in the minority. Uh, they are not. And they're even in the minority in the sort of uh, identity groups that the left has segregated them into. Uh, so it's like most women don't support radical feminism. Most blacks know that Black Lives Matter, I think, is a sham and is not actually doing very good for them. We'll talk to Jesse Lee Peterson about that. He had a really interesting take on that. But, you know, Gone with the Wind is a movie about uh, the fall of the South, and that's what's gone with the wind, is the society of the South has gone with the wind. And the thesis underneath the film, and I don't know, I've never been able to finish the book, so I don't know if it's in the book as well, but the thesis underneath the film is really that it fell because it wasn't what it appeared to be, that it was fraudulent, that it was, that partly it was built on the on the backs of slaves, and, and that is included in the movie, and also that it wasn't really what it seemed to be. So what you have in it is you have uh, Rhett Butler, who is comes across as being very frank and honest and being this rogue, and he is kind of a rogue, but he's also a man of solid integrity who lives by a code and sticks by that code. So everyone who really knows him, who sees the reality of him, loves him and follows him because he's a righteous guy. He's a guy with integrity, where Scarlett O'Hara is constantly pretending to be this highborn lady, but in fact is, is a bit of a whore. I mean, she's somebody who will sell herself for money. She's somebody who'll sell herself to save her her beloved plantation. Uh, and, and Red is always kind of mocking her for this. And it takes a long time for Red to get over his sexual attraction to her uh, to actually see her as she is. And then you have this Ashley Wilkes character uh, who is a very uh, kind of, he's very handsome. He's very upright. He's the, he kind of represents the South. And the all the time that he is living with this beautiful woman, uh, Melanie, as I recall her name is, uh, uh, who's actually a beautiful Christian woman who really is what she is, he's flirting, he's drawing Scarlett along because Scarlett is in love with this image of the South as this noble guy. But in fact, Ashley is weak and he's divided and he was never really uh, what he seems to be. And the really, the message of Gone with the Wind is a society that's built on phoniness will ultimately collapse. And that is what happens to the South, you know. And I think that this is what I'm, th- I'm seeing, uh, ha- hoping will happen now. I know it will happen, but I don't know if it'll happen fast. And I don't know if it'll happen fast enough, for instance, to affect the election or if it'll happen fast enough to save us from the real violence it's doing. So I had this experience, a really interesting experience this morning. I woke up and I woke up with this idea because I never really go to sleep. So I'm lying there thinking about stuff. And I started talking to my wife about this idea. My wife always teases me that I start ranting at her even before she has a uh, her cup of coffee. And then I, I picked up the Wall Street Journal and I was reading Dan Henninger's column. Uh, and I always kind of think of Dan Henninger as a, he's a smart guy, he's an honest guy, I really like him, but he's kind of the avatar of the establishment. I always think of him as a little bit, you know, down down Broadway. And so while I sometimes agree with points he makes, he doesn't usually say what I'm thinking. But this morning he said exactly what I was, it was almost the same words I had been speaking to my wife were in this column about people deserting the cities. Now, it's only a few years since America became a mostly urban nation. People had been moving into the cities to go where the big money was and to go where the new uh, industries were. And and that was a real change. You know, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, depended on this country to have the values of a farming country. He believed very much in the farming values that would make people realistic. It would make them free. It would make them dedicated to doing their own job and being self-responsible. And so our uh, becoming an urban nation was a big deal. And when people kept saying that Hillary Clinton won the uh, popular vote, even though she lost the electoral vote, what they were saying was that she won the cities. And that's exactly what happened. She won the cities. Trump won America. I mean, when you see the red victory that he won, it's huge, except for the cities. He lost the cities. And since most of the people were, uh, um, 
living in the cities, it was it was really a battle between the electrical electrical, the electoral college, which was set up to defend the states, which sometimes don't have the same population as the cities, but not to let the cities rule the country because they believed that that was not the way to go. So here, let me read you a little bit of Henniger's column because it's almost me word for word. He says, in just three months, it has become clear that modern urban progressivism is politically incompetent and intellectually incoherent. This is what I was saying, right? And he's talking about the fact that people are leaving the cities now. He says, after the days and weeks of marches through cities, what has fallen out of it is basically one idea defund the police. In New York, with blocks of stores boarded up and cherry bombs exploding nightly everywhere, the city council has agreed to cut the city's police budget by one billion or one-sixth. How hard is it to connect those dots? A shapeless mass declares multiple blocks of Seattle now belong to it, and when asked how long it could go on, Democratic Mayor Jenny Durkin wanly offers, I don't know, we could have a summer of love. The first one was in 1967, also accompanied by massive urban unrest. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo over the weekend issued a plaintive request to the street protests. You don't need to protest. You won. You won. Then he said, what reform do you want? What do you want? Historically, the media and press have served as an arbitrating function among competing urban forces no longer. Through the pandemic and now, the protests, much of the urban-based media, have become bizarrely invested in apocalyptic storylines, picking at scab after scab and problem after problem with not much effort at sorting substantive policy alternatives other than heading deeper into the progressive uh, frontier. You know, and we see this in Atlanta. Uh, the police officer who shot Rayshard Brooks has been indicted for felony murder. I mean, this is insane. It has to go before the um, it has to go before a grand jury. But he was indicted for felony murder. And of course, the Atlanta police stopped showing up. They went on the blue flu, as they call it. They started uh, boycotting because, you know, this guy, Rayshard Brooks, was a career criminal. He had a rap sheet as long as your arm. He attacked these cops and fired a taser at them. And now uh, the, the Fulton County District Attorney Attorney Paul Howard said, well, a taser is not a lethal weapon, whereas, uh, I don't know, it was like two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, he went after a police, a police officer uh, for attacking a student with a taser saying, oh, this is a lethal weapon. So these guys are making no sense. And it makes no sense for us uh, to continually be, uh, you know, attacking ourselves and attacking each other and saying America is a bad country and America is a racist country, when, of course, America has done everything it can uh, to be as little racist as possible when we are dealing with, one, a a multi-ethnic country like none that has ever existed, at least since the fall of Rome. I mean, maybe the Roman uh, Empire was as multi-ethnic as we are, so we're dealing with that. And we're dealing with 55 years of Democrat policies that have basically turned a certain section of the black population into a crime-ridden, dysfunctional uh, underclass. And that those policies have to be attacked and they have to be changed. And, and this goes even, like I said, into, into rewriting civil rights law so we get our right of association back so blacks can have that too, so they too can choose their way and take responsibility for their own lives. So the kind of nonsense, the kind of... Uh, irrationality, the double dealing and the lying is coming to the surface. I think people are only going to suffer so much. They have taken a lot of this uh, to assuage their guilt, but it won't go on forever. 
Uh, all right. Let us talk about LifeLock. You know, we often talk about how uh, we love saying certain sponsors' names. How can you not say lo- saying LifeLock when you sit down on your computer? How can you not think like I know they're out there, hackers out there. They're trying to get my information. They're trying to run games on me. They're trying to steal, you know, track me and find out where I'm going. But I have LifeLock. I have LifeLock. My life is locked. And so you can say that with yourself. And it is, I've got one. I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually using a work computer, so I haven't got it, but I've got it on my personal uh, computer. It is good to know that they are watching. They ask, they tell me when people interfere with my stuff that happens kind of uh, more often than you would think it does. And LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert and you have access. And this is a big deal. You have access to a dedicated restoration specialist to your case should you become a victim. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions or all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. And make sure to say, LifeLock, how do you spell Clavin? Because it's K-L-A. There are no E's in Clavin. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, it plays in, you know, there's a, as a, uh, there was a Supreme Court decision this morning that I'm not going to talk about at length because I haven't had a chance to read it. So I haven't uh, uh, quite decided how far it goes, but it was really bad. I, it looked really bad on the surface, uh, saying that Trump didn't have the right to rescind uh, DACA, to overturn DACA, when DACA was essentially put there illegally in the first place. Uh, and it was a John Roberts-led decision. And uh, John Roberts, I think, just hates Trump so much he's lost his mind. I really do. Uh, Bush appointee. And, you know, we always say, why is it that we can't um, that we can't win back the Supreme Court? Why is it our appointments like Neil Gorsuch going over to the other side on that ridiculous civil rights case? You know, why can't we win back uh, the Supreme Court when we have bred so many originalist judges? And I think, look, I think the basic reason is, is that the system itself, because of civil rights law to some degree, has collapsed and we no longer have people who are elected uh, responsible for our laws. You really cannot name the last time uh, a law was put in, was created by the legislature, a word that means the people who make the laws. Uh, you can't remember the last time a law was put in place that you could read, that you could understand, that you know what it is. I mean, Obamacare, they were making Obamacare up as they went along. They were decreeing, oh, well, we're going to hold off instituting Obamacare. You know, they were just making stuff up. Uh, and so the system has, is genuinely broken. It really is. And so people can make uh, speeches in the Congress without any responsibility. They can pass laws that nobody ever reads uh, that just become a, a springboard for agencies that make regulations to make any regulation they want. And then those regulations can't be challenged because the Supreme Court has said they can't be challenged. And this is a problem uh, with Donald Trump. Donald Trump came to office saying he wasn't going to touch entitlements. And even though Trump has done a great job, he's done a great job dialing back regulations. No one, as, as Donald Trump himself, I'm sure, would say, no one has done as much as I have to dial back regulations. He has not dialed back the source of the regulations. He has not shut down some of these agencies that need to be shut down or at least uh, made sure or, or at least passed a law saying that they don't have the power to make law. And I would pass a law saying no law can be over 10 pages long. That's the first thing I would do. No law over 10 pages long. 
I have to be able to read a law in order to be governed by it, because otherwise, how the hell do I know what power the government has? So we have really gotten it a long way down the line and uh, away from our republic. And the question is, the question is, who is going to stand up in this moment? This is the moment. This is this right now. I mean, it really is. This is this moment of madness. This mo- and it's, it's partly, uh, what can I say? It's partly um, incidental. It's, it's part of this incident of this uh, a Chinese virus coming, the lockdown, the economic blow, uh, followed by the people going nuts, people going nuts over a shooting, people going nuts over a killing in Minneapolis and running riot through the streets. And it revealed to us, it revealed to us that the people who were supposed to protect us, the people who were supposed to run our cities, the people who were supposed to say, okay, you know, you can have a point, you can have a protest, but no, you can't riot through the streets. You know, those people have, have stopped doing what they're supposed to do. You know, it really is interesting when you think about Seattle and you think about the woman saying, oh, it's the summer of love and it's a it's a walk in the park and it's a, uh, you know, just a wonderful little, uh, you know, farmer's market that we're having, a block party that we're having in this zone that's been taken over by these terrorist thugs. Uh, you know, the question I have is, well, why should I pay taxes? You know, the people there can't get, they, they call 9-11, they can't get service. They cannot get protected from these guys. Why should you pay taxes? I mean, what what's the what are you paying for? If this if this woman, if the mayor of the city essentially feels that she does not need to be in control of the city, anyone with arms can take the city back. And the question I have is when when right wingers start to take things over, are they going to be dealt with in the same way? So this kind of thing that makes no sense when things make no sense all after a while people start to say this makes no sense and the what what the uh, what t- tyrants do is tyrants play whack-a-mole with the truth because the truth never dies the truth just keeps pat, you know popping up so they keep hitting the truth and that is essentially what you see on NBC on CNN you know on all these news things they're playing whack-a-mole with the truth anytime the truth pops up they try and put push it down there was this incredible story uh, th- yesterday or the day before of uh, of uh, NBC trying to shut down the Federalist. The Federalist is an ex. I get the Federalist every morning. I read the Federal- Federalist every morning. It's mostly an opinion site, but sometimes it has some really good insights into the facts. And it's not. It's no way. It's Molly Hemingway's thing. It's no way. This is a far right uh, um, venue at all. But so NBC, uh, NBC. Uh, started to say that um, uh, NBC report, I'll read this from a piece by Ben, Dominic, and Sean Davis, who uh, run the place. Uh, NBC reporter Adele Momoko Fraser, uh, she said that Google had demonetized the Federalist site, preventing them from earning money through Google ads for violating its rules. Uh, NBC published an article claiming that Google had made a formal decision to demonetize the Federalist and that we had been formally warned that we were in violation and that our current specific articles criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement and media coverage of recent riots was a violation of Google's rules. Well, this turned out Google said not to be true, that there was some problem with the comments section. They do have a rule about having ads on the comment section because people say the craziest stuff in the comment section and the advertisers don't want to be associated with it. So apparently Google and the Federalist are working this out. Meanwhile, the Justice Department has proposed rolling back that 230 uh, protection that gave these sites so much power when they were just little sites. It was to protect them so they could grow. Now they've grown into titans. uh, And basically it's said that they were protected from lawsuits as if they were platforms like the phone company, but they could act a little bit like publishers in uh, curating their material. And that now makes no sense either because they're they're shutting down anybody who doesn't believe in black leftists matter, anybody who doesn't believe in the current trends. All of this brings me back to this uh, 
this decision that was made by Neil Gorsuch and the other Supreme Court justices saying that you can't fire someone for being transgender because it's firing, essentially firing somebody for his sex, for behaving in a certain way uh, when he is uh, that a woman could behave. A woman could come in with a dress and makeup on. So why can't a man come in with a dress and makeup on? That's being discriminatory according to sex, essentially saying that the differences between the sexes don't exist. And this is a, another thing that makes no sense. The interesting thing that it brings up to me is if you can fire somebody and people are being fired for not supporting Black Lives Matter, they are being fired for that. And and people, uh, there's a guy in uh, York County, Pennsylvania, the Northeastern superintendent of a school. Oh, the Northeastern superintendent is recommending that the school board fire an intermediate school principal accused of sharing a social media post calling Black Lives Matter a lie. They want to fire him for that. Uh, A guy named Tim Gordon, who's a theology teacher at a Catholic high school uh, who has a, a like six children and his daughter is suffering from a horrible uh, brain problem. So he needs the insurance. They are going to fire him uh, because he's made comments about Black Lives Matter as well. So my question is, if you can fire somebody for disagreeing with Black Lives Matter, can you fire somebody for disagreeing with gay rights? Can you fire somebody who says, I think homosexuality is all right? And you, you say you're fired. And he said, well, you can't fire me because I'm protected by being gay. You say, I'm not firing you for being gay. I'm firing you for having an untoward political opinion that I disagree with, like these people who are firing the people at Black Lives Matter. Eventually, these things have to make sense. And if they don't make sense, people are going to turn away. And the, and the hypocrisy also, the, the double standard, is also a slap in the face. I just want to play this one thing. You know, Trump, I'm really happy Trump is having a, uh, uh, a rally this weekend in Oklahoma. I think Trump needs to get out of Washington. I think Trump is suffering from the greenhouse effect. I think he's suffering from that effect that takes over Supreme Court justices' minds where they start to think they have to serve the press and the left and this kind of elite opinion instead of serving the law. And I think recently Trump has gotten a little bit, you know, he's starting to uh, pull back from his usually uh, aggressive defense of the culture, which is really what he's there for. He's pulled back from his aggressive defense of the culture, uh, I think, because he's been stuck in Washington so long. He's been stuck in Washington. He's surrounded by advisors. He's surrounded by aides. He's surrounded by the press. And the press, as I've always told you, is not about one story or another story. It's about creating an atmosphere. That's what they're there to do. And they're creating an atmosphere that we're all on board now. We all want to see a warning sign on everybody agrees that Gone with the Wind should have a warning sign. Everyone agrees. Everyone. I, look, I'm, I'm talking to the guy at the desk next to me, and he agrees. I'm talking to the guy at the desk on the other side, and he agrees. So everyone agrees. And I think Trump may be uh, getting a little bit in affected by this. Uh, and I think he needs to get out and see the people who elected him and also see the people in general and start talking to them again about the things that matter. Because if they're going to throw away our culture on a lie, if they're going to throw away our culture on a double standard, if they're going to throw away our culture by uh, convincing us that most people agree with the riots and the looting and the taking over of Seattle and the Supreme Court and that sex that makes no difference. And the, you know, the Supreme Court saying that Obama can put something in there by executive order, but Trump can't take it off. I think they're making a mistake. And I think it'll show up at the voting uh, ballot booth if Trump takes advantage and speaks into the moment so that people don't have to be afraid. All right. Jesse Lee Peterson coming right up. And as I told you, we will be on the, um, on the Daily Wire backstage at 3.30, 
am I getting this right? 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 uh, Eastern. And if you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to dailywire.com. This is the cheap version. You don't get the all access, but you do get to feed your children and pay your rent. It's a great value for only three bucks a month. And when you sign up now, you get that first month for only 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app, which is excellent. That is, that's a good deal. I didn't actually realize that wasn't on the copy before. That's excellent uh, deal. Mobile app is terrific. Articles are ad-free, which is a big deal. And you get access to exclusive editorials. Uh, ben had a good one about the eight leftist myths about race and racism in America. That's exclusive for people who subscribe. So you can get it for 99 cents and then $3 thereafter. And if you haven't checked out the Reader's Pass already, go to dailywire.com and sign up for just a buck. We got Jesse Lee Peterson coming up in just a minute. So the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson is a guy I just admire enormously. I hope I can uh, rightly call him a friend. I met him uh, years ago when I did a piece for him. I mentioned it in the interview, a piece for City Journal called A Man Alone. And I, uh, you should look that piece up. You really should. It's called A Man Alone. It's on the City Journal website. And it basically is about the fact that an honest man, and he's a black guy, but an honest guy in that uh, field is going to be isolated. Uh, he's the founder of Bond, a nationally recognized nonprofit dedicated to rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. He's the host of the Jesse Lee Peterson radio show. Uh, he has a book. Uh, it's called From Rage to Responsibility. Uh, you can get that book. And if you go on his website, you can get From Rage to Responsibility signed. Uh, but ju just a, a really remarkable guy. And you will hear it in this interview, just the voice of a guy speaking his honest heart uh, without fear or favor. It really is amazing. Here's Jesse Lee Peterson. Jesse, it is great to see you, first of all. Uh, you know, I, I, I wrote somewhere that in an empire of lies, only a crazy man will tell the truth. So I'm bringing you on because you may be the last person in America uh, crazy enough to speak <laughs> to speak your mind. Um, I, That's right. So I've been watching. I mean, there was this terrible killing in Minneapolis and I've been watching the entire country go insane. Let me let me start with this. What, do you, what are you seeing when you see this, when you see these demonstrations across the country, when you see politicians talking about defunding the police or even just uh, reforming the police? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? What are you thinking about? Uh, this is insane. And I can't believe that uh, America is uh, allowing this to happen. This is not about slavery. It's not about racism. Is not about systemic, so-called systemic racism. This is about turning America into something else, and I believe into a socialist society. And the blacks are being used in order to do that. And this been, it's been happening for the last sixty to seventy years in the making, and I think now it's finally come to head. And if we don't stand up and do something about it, be honest about it. It's going to only get worse, and we're going to lose America. And so it's not about slavery and all this systemic racism. That's a lie. And America knows it, but it's too afraid now to stand up and be honest and be strong because over the years, they have seen so many white people be destroyed, you know, losing their jobs and uh call races and it reminds me of the Taliban when they want to control the society, they cut your head off and they show everyone if you if you stand up, this is what's gonna to happen to you. Well that's what the blacks have done to the whites over the last sixty to seventy years and now the Taliban's are in control. 
you, uh, I think a couple of days ago, uh, Jason Riley wrote a, an article in the Wall Street Journal saying there's a black silent majority that basically knows this, that basically knows they're being used. Do you agree with that? Do you think there is a black silent majority? Absolutely. But they prefer the money over what is right. They prefer the power and control over what is right. We are a Christian nation. And what is happening now is evil. This whole battle is a battle between good and evil. And there are those people who love evil, and there are those who love good. And right now, the evil people are controlling the good for the power and wealth. And so there are a lot of black people. Most black people know that it's wrong. But because they're thinking about reparations, they're thinking about affirmative action, they want to take the people's stuff and control them. They don't love what is right enough to stand for what is right. So they'd rather take control of America, of white people, and use them for personal gain. That's what this is about. So you and I uh, famously had a, a debate on Donald Trump, which I admitted that you were right about, uh, that you were supporting <laughs> him. And I was <laughs> I st stood against him. Uh, and I, I finally said, you, you got it right. I got it wrong. What do you, how do you feel about the way he's reacting? He seemed to me to be a little slow off the block in this situation. He seems not to not to have gotten his reaction together very quickly. And, or am I wrong about this? I um, I think you're possibly right about it. But I think there are people around him who's telling him you should calm down and kind of do it in a, in a weak kind of a way, cater to the people, because we do have elections coming up. And the media is so good at, make, at making the president look bad, look, at, look as though he's not for the people. And the people are not free thinkers. They don't see the greatness that he's done for this country already. And so we just finished up with the Chinese virus thing, and the Democrats are trying to bring us back to that. And the economy <laughs> suffered for that. And now the economy is suffering due to all the riots and the looting. So I think the president is kind of listening to wrong advice, in my opinion. Because people like the fact that he's strong. I've heard so many black people love the fact that he's strong and they see the Democrats are trying to stop him. And a lot of them are starting to support him because of that. But I think he's a little weak in dealing with this because if it was me, I would have brought in the military e immediately and just stopped all this before he got in this far. And I think had he not listened to other people, he would have done the same thing already. You know, I've worried that because he's stuck in Washington with the virus, uh, that maybe he's getting a little bit of that effect of being in the bubble, that he's not getting out and talking to the people uh, who give him encouragement and sort of tell him that he's doing the right thing, even when the media uh, fights back against them. I, I worry that he's stuck in Washington. And he's getting that little bit of Washington in his head. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, he's going to yeah. start doing rallies. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to fire back up. He will. He will start the rally soon. He has one coming up on the. I think it's coming Saturday, I believe. And you're yeah, going to see point. him on fire again. I, I hope so, because he, he really has seemed a little slow. You look at, you know, I go on Amazon.com, I go on Netflix, and they're selling me all these racial movies and these racial books. And, you know, Jesse, we've known each other a while now. And, you know, like, I want everybody in America to be happy. I'm, you know, I, but why, why do I have to look at that from Amazon? What are they telling me and what, and what should they be telling me? It's part of the brainwashing, and they want you to cower down to the blacks because Amazon is not supported. I don't believe what is right either. So they're selling hatred in order to deceive the American people in order to control them. 
And I have to tell you, uh, Andrew, as you know, I grew up I grew up on a plantation down in Alabama. I was born there. I grew up on a Jim Crow law. And all this stuff that they have said and are saying about slavery and Jim Crow, absolutely not true. Yes, hmm. at one point slavery existed. And yes, at one point racist, I mean, uh, Jim Crow existed. But during those days, we had families that were father and mothers, that were grandparents. And they taught us to work and they bought land and they, they went to black colleges, those that wanted to. But in that time, at, during those days, you were taught to work or go to trade school. And we were not hating white people. We were not taught that, oh, slavery is holding you down. I rarely heard about slavery or Jim Crow is stopping you. It just wasn't taught to hate the white man or to feel like victims. I never felt like a victim in America. I am an American. I've always thought of myself that way. I've never felt like a victim because growing up, I wasn't taught that. I didn't see other anyone else in my family or my school teachers or anyone feeling that way. But the blacks have been made to feel that way since the civil rights movement. One of the worst things that has happened to America is the civil rights movement. That should have <laughs> never happened because there's no such thing as civil rights, by the way. And if they had just change the laws so that the same laws that govern white people would govern black people, we would have come together in a normal way. We wouldn't have this race issue today. Ah, you know, that's, that's a really interesting point. You know, one of the things that got me, I wrote an article about you for City Journal a long time ago, and I hope people will take a look at it. It's called, and I called it A Man Alone. And the reason I called it that is you've spent your life uh, dealing directly with young black men, trying to set them on a, a right path. And that that has isolated you in a lot of ways, whereas a guy like, you know, I don't know, pick your guy, Al Sharpton Jr., uh, who has just been a con man all this time, has become this major powerhouse walking into the White House, whereas you have a hard time getting this message message heard. It's it's very frustrating to me because I know I know that there are so many young men without fathers, so many uh, broken families that are destroying people. How how does that message get spread? How do we break through from the race hustlers, break, break through the message of the race hustlers to start talking about family and also religion? Well, you know, I think Christianity yeah. has started to drain out of these communities, too. It has. That's right. And I have to tell you, man, that was an amazing article. It, I believe uh, it was the most it was the first honest article about what I'm <laughs> doing. I really do appreciate that. I think about that sometime. We have been doing this now for 30 years. We've been rebuilding the family by rebuilding a man for 30 years now. And I have to tell you, we are now working with men and women around the world of all races. Hmm. I am so busy counseling. We have an entrepreneur academy where we're teaching them to start businesses. We, uh, uh, we help find jobs. We have a home for young men. As busy as you can be, and that is because the people, by word of mouth, are helping to get the word out. When they overcome that anger, when they overcome that fallen state, they forgive their parents for not guiding them in the right way. Their lives start to change. So they're telling other people about it. And in spite of the children of the lie trying to stop it, the word is still getting out. And that's one of the reasons I love was right with all my heart, soul, and might, because it is of God. And when God is for it, can no one stop it? It may not be like what the live media done with doing with Al Shopton, 
But the people that need to hear the truth are hearing it, and their lives are starting to change. And it's just amazing to see what happened. You should see our Sunday morning meetings now. They're packed with millennials and Zs and some older people. My show, I mean, just calls from Africa, uh, Russia, uh, the UK, all over Canada, all around the United States, uh, South Korea, and just all over the world. People waking up to it. It's just been amazing to see it. It's word of mouth, the internet. I'm on the internet, so on the net. But it's getting around in spite of what's happening. Well, on that optimistic note, I will end there because I'm out of time. But it's great to see you, Jesse, and I uh, hope to get to come by Bond soon again and uh, participate in one of your gatherings. Absolutely. And I want people to know that July is White History Month. I started it. Two, <laughs> I started White History two years ago, and we're getting ready to celebrate the third year of White History. Because and you see the T-shirts at White History Month, right? Because yep. July, I chose July because July just feels white. It's <laughs> vacation time, <laughs> vacation time, summertime, and so we're going to be celebrating our third year of White History Month starting July first. I will bring you back in July to discuss white history. <laughs> Absolutely. And they can check us out at rebuildingtheman.com, rebuildingtheman.com or jlptalk.com. What's, what's the name of your latest book? From Rage to Responsibility. From Rage to Responsibility. And if they want an autographed copy, they can go to rebuildingtheman.com or call 800-411-BOND, 800 800- 411-2663. And we love you over here. We appreciate you. Thank you for having oh, I me love on. You too. You're the best, Jesse. It's always great to see you. Thanks very much. You too. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. That guy, on top of uh, being just a straightforward, like, no fear, fearless, honest guy, is a Trump-level troll. <laughs> he is a troll at the Trump, before there was Trump, before there was Trumpian trolling, there was Jesse trolling. All right, I got to stop there. The show is over. Uh, <laughs> but there's not the Clavenless weekend yet. We will be back with Backstage at 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern, and I will be on at 5 o'clock tomorrow, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific tomorrow with the All Access Live. So, you might survive. Who knows? If you do, I'll, the show will be back on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 